Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, baseball family. This week we have Julio's on fire, the polar bear's brain fart, and the Red Sox swept the Yankees right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast, Baseball Family. My name is Brad, and I'm actually flying solo again this week. Brig is on his way back from New York today, so I'm giving him a travel day. And uh, that's very fun and exciting. Well, <laughs> it was exciting for him to go to Yankee Stadium this weekend. I don't know how fun it was. Uh, I, I think he did enjoy himself. I know uh, he managed to get some retail therapy in to help with the losses but i know his dad had a good time because like we talked about before his dad is a red sox fan um but i think we'll get more of a report from him uh later this week or next week about the experience at yankee stadium uh like i said i think he enjoyed himself but i don't know how much fun he had with the way those games went. we'll get into those a little bit later but first things first i want to lead off because briggs not here to stop me we're going to talk about the mariners to lead off the show today okay Julio Rodriguez is on a historic tear. And when I say historic, I don't, I, that is not hyperbole. That is absolute facts, true facts, folks. He had 17 hits in four games last week, had two doubles, two home runs, drove in eight RBIs, scored five runs, had five stolen bases and just three strikeouts. The thing that's crazy is he, I think he went 17 for 21 and he grounded into three double plays during that time or, uh, Let's see, that's that math doesn't add up. But anyway, I think he was 17 for 22 or something. I don't remember. But he grounded it. He either struck out, grounded it into a double play, or got a base hit. <laughs> so what do you do, you know? What do you do? But it was fantastic, very fun and exciting to watch. He's the seventh player since 1900 to court, record 13 hits in a three-game span, only to... He's the only one to also record four stolen bases in that time. And I want to say he's the only guy to go uh, four hits, five hits, four hits, four hits during that stretch as well. So nobody's ever done it like that. So that it, what a time to be a Mariners fan, right? <laughs> With Julio Rodriguez. Um, but this this is something that's fun. And I can share this because Briggs not here. Um, during that time, Julio actually outperformed the entire Yankees roster. Um, the the Mariners had four wins during those four games. The Yankees had zero. They both had 17 hits. Julio had 17 hits. The Yankees had 17 hits. He scored five runs. They only scored four. He had five stolen bases. They had zero. So <laughs> kind of a fun comparison uh, between an entire team and one guy who was just absolutely scorching hot for four games and just out of control, right? So uh, as you would expect, uh, Julio was named the American League Player of the Week because of that stretch that was just absolutely bananas and so crazy to watch. It felt like he was never going to get out again. Obviously, you know, he's not going to, you know, 
get four hits every game. But at the same time, it was kind of like one hit every game for a while feels pretty realistic. And he's got a nice five, six game streak going on right now. So we'll see how things go, see how things pan out. Um, the schedule is not too much harder the next couple weeks. So we'll see. Anyway, uh, I'm going to stick with the Mariners for a little bit because, again, like I said, Briggs not here to stop me. So the Mariners as a team have been absolutely red hot as well. And it's been, again, a ton of fun to watch as a Mariners fan. Um, going into Monday, into today when I'm recording, the Mariners are 14-4 and four in August. They've won six, to, six in a row, and that includes a sweep of Houston, and we'll get there in a little bit. Um, the only team that's been better during that stretch has been the Dodgers at 17-2. and two. Uh, I talked about the Dodgers on the Friday Night Live last week, and then they went and got crushed by the Miami Marlins right after that, but then they took the other two. They swept the doubleheader on Saturday thanks to the hurricane uh, that got bumped from Sunday to Saturday. But anyway, um, so during this 14-4 and stretch, the Mariners have taken over the third wild card spot from Toronto. Toronto has been bumped out of the playoff picture down below the Mariners. Um, the Mariners also sit a half a game behind Houston and three games behind Texas. We'll get to, again, we'll get to Texas in a little bit because we'll talk about sweeps. Um, that, to me, is crazy because this whole time I've just been like, you know, the wild card is going to be great. It's going to be great to make the wild card. It's going to be really competitive, but it's going to be great. The Rangers have kind of crashed down to earth over the last couple of weeks and given both Houston and Seattle real legitimate chance of catching them, right? It's one of those things where it's like you don't want to give a team a chance to catch you because they will. And here we're seeing it. The Astros and the Mariners are knocking on their door just a couple of games back with a pretty favorable schedule for the Mariners coming up. They have three games at the White Sox, three games at home against the Royals, and then three at home against Oakland. Those are nine very winnable games. I'm not saying the Mariners are going to go on a 15-game winning streak. It's possible, not probable. I see probably one or two losses in there just because it's hard to sweep teams, right? It's hard to beat a team three times in a row. Um, And I know you've got teams that are not playing inspired baseball. And the White Sox, the Royals have been one of the best offensive teams since the all-star break. I think I talked about that a little bit on Friday night. Um, so they've got their work cut out for them there. The issue that the Royals have is just that bullpen is not good. So there's a real chance there. And then Oakland has been Oakland this year. So there is a real possibility. Like I said, the Mariners could win 15 in a row. I wouldn't be surprised if they rattle off 13 of 15 and lose two in this upcoming stretch. Either way, that ain't bad baseball, and that gives you a legitimate shot of catching the guys in front of you in the division. And, you know, I said a couple weeks ago to Brig, I said that I thought that the Rangers were going to finish third in the division and miss the playoffs. With everything going on in Tampa Bay right now with the Rays, um, I don't know which of those teams is going to miss the playoffs between the Rangers and the Rays, but I think one of them will. I think one of those two teams will. It very well could be the Rangers, but the Rays are going to have some depth issues coming up. So I don't know. One of those two teams is going to miss the playoffs. That's going to be my bold prediction for the rest of the way. And it's going to be crazy to see which, which one of those two it is. All right. That's enough of me gushing about my Mariners for now. Um, let's go on. Let's talk about the Dodgers a little bit. We talked about them a little bit ago. Let's talk a little bit more about them because there's some news coming out of LA. Despite the fact that Dodger stadium looked like an Island in the middle of a lake. Did you guys see that image? over the weekend because of the storm 
absolutely crazy. I hope everybody's staying safe in Southern California because that is unprecedented weather in that area, and that can be scary and dangerous. Um, but anyway, about the, as far as the Dodgers go, though, pitcher Tony Gonsolin could miss the rest of the season with elbow inflammation. He's been kind of up and down this year, has not been his normal reliable self, um, but it turns out he's got an elbow issue that he's dealing with. Um, like I said, the Dodgers also, they're the hottest team in baseball right now, 17-2 and two in August. Um, just absolutely crushing it. So I don't think that pitching is necessarily the issue right now, but a guy like Gonsolin who can come out and pitch really, really well when he's feeling good is going to give you a chance to win every five days if he's, if he's, if he's feeling good, you know? So there's that issue. Um, they've been without Walker Bueller all year because of Tommy John. They had Dustin May for about five minutes this year, and then he went down with, with a flexor tendon issue, and he needed surgery for that. Um, this is the thing is the Dodgers, like I said, playing great baseball right now. They can score with anybody in the league. Absolutely score with anybody in the league. Mookie Betts had two home runs the other day. And, uh, Freddie Freeman is being Freddie Freeman. You know, Greg and I talked about how the, the Braves lost Freddie Freeman. And it's kind of like, well, we brought in Matt Olson and filled in the gap. Freddie Freeman's having an MVP caliber year as well. He's killing it. So, the Dodgers can score with anybody. The problem they're going to have is that it's a war of attrition, right? 162 games is absolutely a marathon. It is not a sprint. So 19 games does not make your season. Yes, it'll give you a heck of a lead in your division, and they'll probably end up winning the division because I don't see the Padres or the, the D-backs with the way either of those teams are playing right. There's no way they're going to catch them. But the problem they're going to run into is the playoffs. Is Are they going to have deep enough pitching because they've lost – like I said, they haven't had Bueller all year. They lose Gonsolin. They thought they're going to get Destin May back, but they don't have Destin May. Um, Clayton Kershaw has his issues in the playoffs, which I hope he's passed them because he showed a couple of years ago that he probably was. But I don't know. I don't know if this team is deep enough that they're going to be able to fight all the battles all the way through the playoffs. I don't know. And <laughs> Brig and I have been calling for it for a year. It, it's time to tear this team down if they don't win a World Series this year for sure. We thought they should have done it going into this year. I think it's going to start. They're they're going to have to start selling some some guys off after this year because uh, they they can't just be a front line team. They got to have some depth in there and and uh, especially in the pitching ranks. I don't know if they have the depth that they're going to need to make the playoff run that they want with the guys they have. So. It's interesting. Uh, the Dodgers sure are interesting all the time. You know, whether it's uh, Mookie Betts doing Mookie Betts stuff, Freddie Freeman doing Freddie Freeman stuff, and or something like this, where they're just getting decimated with injuries and they're finding a way to figure things out. But for how long, right? How long can they continue to figure these things out? That's what I'm curious about. The Nats and Dave Martinez have agreed to a two-year extension. This is... Martinez last year on his current deal. Uh, he has an overall record of 378 and 455 with the Nats. That's over six seasons. I think this is a good move. He was the manager of the World Series team, right? And so I think they're showing some degree of loyalty and some degree of patience. I think he's showing some degree of patience here with the organization as well because they're in a rebuild, right? It seems that with this deal, they're both committed to this rebuild. But the question I have is for how long? The Nats are record-wise one of the worst teams in the league this year. 
um, they've gone in and they've beaten some teams that, or I shouldn't say beaten, they shocked some teams, right? Um, I think they swept, they won a series against the Padres a few weeks ago, and that's like, what? The Padres have not been playing well, but they should be playing better than that, right? So the Nats, like, they go out and they fight. They're competitors, uh, but they just, they're just top to bottom, not a team that's going to be competitive, right? There's a difference between being competitor, being a competitor, and being competitive. You can compete, but you might not be competitive when you do it. So, um, I don't know. I I think it's a, it, it's a good move for him, right? He wants a couple more years of job security. I'm just curious if, since it's a two-year deal, and it sounds like their GM Rizzo is going to get two years as well. Um, after those two years, like on the end of that second year, are they expecting to make the playoffs? And if they don't make the playoffs, is Martinez going to be gone? Rizzo is going to be gone? They're going to start fresh with somebody else? I don't know. It's it's really interesting when they have when they get these contract extensions for just a couple of years because especially when you're in a rebuild, it's like is that when you're expecting things to click, expecting to either get close to the playoffs or make the playoffs? And what would that be? That would be 2025. Keep an eye on the Nats to see what happens there. Uh, I, I'm curious if if Dave Martinez gets another extension if they show. Uh, if next year they take a step forward and then a step, another step forward after that, or if it's like got to make the playoffs in 2025 to get another deal or you're, you're gone. So, but good for him. Good for the Nats. I think it's a good fit. I think he's a really good fit there uh, in, in that organization. All right, let's talk about Pete Alonzo. <laughs> I'm sure so many people are sick of hearing about this, but if you have not heard about this yet, Pete Alonso had the ultimate brain fart over the weekend. Uh, I I thought it was a really, really, really bad look at first. I was really kind of confused as to why it happened. Um, Pete Alonso tossed the ball from Cardinals rookie Mason wins. Uh, Mason win. It was his first hit, first career hit. And Pete Alonso got it and just hucked it over the dugout into the stands um, in in St. Louis, and he said that there were guys in the other dugout who were like, Pete, what are you doing? You're like, don't throw that ball in the stand. That's just, he's like, oh, no. He's like, I, <laughs> a lot after the game, Alonzo said, I feel awful. I feel like a piece of crap. <laughs> I'm sure he does. But, but this is the thing. This is my big concern about this whole thing was, was like, like, I don't care how Pete Alonzo feels about it. Like, stuff happens, right? And like, did the, did, when did he get his ball? And he did. The, the fan knew the situation, gave it to security, and they made sure Wynn got the ball. So good for him. Good for the good for the fan for bailing Pete Alonzo out there. Um, I guess Alonzo also set uh, sent Wynn a bottle of tequila and a signed bat. So that's a nice little piece of memorabilia for the man cave that he didn't have to ask for. Um, good for him. And, but I think that the thing I was most confused about this whole thing with the polar bear himself is that I don't watch enough Mets games to know if this is something he does, but I know that like after every play, they send the ball out, right? They'll like toss it to the ball boy or whatever to put it in a bucket, maybe use it later. I don't know what they do with them for sure, but I know that pitchers after every play are always getting a new ball. So does Pete Alonso always throw the ball into the stands after the play? I don't know. I haven't, like I said, I haven't watched enough about the Mets games to know. So if you have noticed that, drop drop a message either in the comments on YouTube or in the mailbag down in the description, and let me know if that's something that he does all the time, or if it was just like one in a hundred times that he does that. Because that, like I said, when got a base hit, he was on base. It wasn't the third out of the inning. 
So if there's like one out and a runner on first, they call time. Does Pete Alonso just huck the ball up into the stands every time? Or was it just like once that he did that? I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I was very confused by it because of that. But baseball family, before we move on, I want to tell you about Versus game. Here on the Baseball Together podcast, we're always asking what you think about topics we bring up on the show. Now you have a quick and easy way to share your thoughts with us. We partner with the Versus Game to bring you games where you can make real actual money for participating in polls, trivia, and prediction polls. So if you're on the winning side of a poll or you get a trivia question or a prediction right, you can win real money. You can play for free or you can buy ticket bundles to win more money faster and you can compete against other listeners and other Versus Game users. So head over to btpod.onverses.com on your mobile browser, since that's the best way that it's set up, and sign up and play polls and trivia games with us. That's btpod.onverses.com to sign up and play Versus game with us. And as always, like with everything else, there's always a link in the description of the videos and the audio, whatever, wherever you get the podcast, there's always a link that you can click to go straight to btpod.onverses.com to play Versus game. It's a lot of fun. Um, I always play a few other trivia questions anytime i post one so i i actually always i actually jump on and play as well i play for free so it's a good time it's a lot of fun all right back to it so today monday there were a bunch of prospects called up across the league it was a whole flurry of moves it's really interesting there were some guys who moved up a little bit farther in the system than you would think because they're young guys but the biggest one the most notable move of all was the padres moved ethan solace up to double a the thing that's interesting about ethan Salas is he is a 17 year old catching prospect in the padre system so this dude he debuted in the cactus league this last spring he played uh he played an a ball in may two days before he turned 17 so he's 16 year old playing minor league baseball and then and between low a lake elsinore and high a fort wayne which is where he played this year. He slashed 257, 335, 447. He had nine home runs, 38 RBIs, and five stolen bases. Defensively, like I said, he's a catcher, so he's going to need to be strong behind the plate if he's going to get promoted. And I know the Padres have some issues at the plate or behind the plate, uh, but Gary Sanchez seems to have anchored that position down for them pretty well this year. I don't know if he's going to be the solution next year, but he seems to be uh, for the rest of the way this year. But this is he had 10 passed balls and caught just eight of 39 guys stealing. I shouldn't say just. I mean, that's about 20%, right? That's pretty good, actually, <laughs> especially for a 17-year-old. <laughs> so I shouldn't say just. That's pretty good. Uh, I would be concerned about the 10 passed balls, but I guess in the minor leagues, um, they're more likely to happen because the pitchers are, are a little more wild. I was talking to... Uh, this was in the summer 2016. I was working for a minor league baseball team, and there was a scout who came and hung out in the press box with us because it was air-conditioned, and we were sitting there talking to him, and he had played all through the minor league systems, uh, spent most of his career in the minors. He's had a cup of coffee in the bigs, the Mariners, and the A's. Um, and so and so we asked him, like, what's the hardest level to hit? He goes, the hardest level to get on base is the big leagues because as you get up closer to the big leagues, it feels, big leagues, it feels like there's more guys on the field He's like, you're down here in rookie. If you can get, because it was a rookie league team. He's like, down here, if you can get a hold of a ball, he's like, you're going to eat and you're a good hitter. You can get on base, right? Uh, there's nine guys out there. You know where the holes are. You know where you're going to get in. He's like, but you get up to the big league level. It feels like there's 20 guys on out, out there because everybody's got range. You hit a ball, you think it's dropping and it's caught. There's no way. He's like, I don't understand how they do it. I don't understand how it happens, but it's crazy. But he did say 
the hardest level to hit to hit the pitching was actually the rookie level because he's like you've got a 17 year old kid from the dominican republic who throws 102 with no control he's like you don't know where that's gonna go you don't want to dig in there <laughs> get ready to <laughs> try to hit that pitch because it could be coming to your ear hole it could be coming down the middle of the plate you don't know where it's gonna be so i thought that was really interesting and i wonder if that uh contributes somewhat to those 10 pass balls this year for solace uh, that he's playing in the lower levels with some guys who don't have much control and while it, it maybe should have been caught was eh, kind of a wild pitch on the other hand too but ruled as a pass ball so i'll give him some grace there being in the lower levels of the minor leagues but i think it's crazy 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 that this 17 year old kid is going to play double a ball the rest of the way this year um the article that i read about him said that despite his meteoric rise in the system uh, how fast he's shooting up. Uh, he probably won't make his debut until he turns 18, which is actually going to be next year on May 30th. So uh, he he won't, it sounds like he won't start the season with the Padres at the big club. But if he plays well the rest of the way here, has a really good spring training and starts off that first month of the season in the minors really well, we could see an 18-year-old catcher for the Padres um, beginning of June. It'll be really interesting to keep an eye on to see what happens there. So here's your weekly Shohei Otani report. This is more of a <laughs> kind of a funny and an indictment on the Angels. So Friday night, Shohei Otani hit a grand slam. The Angels hit a, turned a 6-4-3-2 double play in the top of the ninth inning to keep the game tied and eventually force extras because they couldn't score in the bottom of the ninth. And they still lost 9-6 to in extra innings. Otani in that game went two for five. He had a grand slam and a single. Um, unreal. <laughs> Just it's like uh, it reminds me of that that scene on on Bull Durham when Crash Davis is standing in the shower and the manager comes comes in and goes, "Hello, shot tonight. Too bad it was wasted." Yeah, Otani's grand slam was wasted uh, in a game where the Angels just could not hold on and couldn't reel it in. Uh, but this is one thing that's that. Really, we should be talking about the Angels rather than, I mean, I guess in addition to Otani's wasted grand slam. Nolan Shanuel, I'm, that's my bad for mispronouncing it on Friday uh, when I was talking about them promoting him or calling him up. I'm not going to say promoting him because it's more than a promotion from AA to AAA. They called him up to the bigs. This kid got drafted this year in June, had less than 100 plate appearances. Plate appearances, not official bets. Plate appearances in the minor leagues and uh, and was called up to the big leagues, he went one for four with a single, scored a run on Friday in his debut, and he actually got a hit in both games of the doubleheader on Saturday as well. So he went three for twelve over the weekend. Um, good for him. He's got a little three games, three game hit streak going on after that first weekend. Um, he'll be interesting to follow to see how he does. Uh, with so little time in the minor leagues and having been drafted just this year. And I get it. Like there's a lot to be said. Like there's a lot. I don't want to say there's a lot to be said, but there's a lot said about him having a ready bat because he crushed, crushed minor uh, college pitching this year, but that's college pitching. That's not big league pitching. It still feels desperate. It still feel, it feels like it's not the solution to the angels problems. Uh, he's playing over CJ Crone right now at first base. Um, I would be disgruntled to say the very least if I was grown <laughs> to have this kid come in and take my spot um, when you traded for me. But I guess if he's not performing, then 
what do you do? You know, that's that's baseball season, Susan, right? So, um, I don't know. Keep an eye on Nolan Shanuel, see how he does, because uh, it's a really, really unique and interesting case that we're watching here with the Angels. And Zach Neto, I believe, is still out with a back injury, um, and he was called up super early as well. So the Angels are really, really desperate to make a push to the playoffs. Not going to happen. They're about ten games back right now, so they're 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 not going to get there. But I don't know. They're gonna, it seems like they're gonna, they're going to keep making these desperation moves as much as they can to try to move the needle and rattle off a bunch in a row in a row to get there. So we'll see. All right, weekend sweeps. I love weekend sweeps. This has become a staple on the big show every single week now. Um, and Brig has said, anytime the Yankees don't get swept, he's going to take in the pie, take a pie in the face uh, <laughs> if that'll help him win. So far, he's only got one pie since he said that uh, in the pie bank because the Yankees got swept this weekend by the Red Sox. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more that, about that in a little bit. Uh, the Brewers swept the Rangers. That is back-to-back weekend series sweeps for the Brewers. Uh, playing some really good baseball right now. I think they're going to pull away from the Reds. I don't think the Reds are going to be able to compete in the division there. Um, the Orioles swept the A's, as you might have expected. And the Mariners swept the Astros, as you might not have expected. I was not expecting that to happen. I was hoping to get two in the weekend, um, but ended up getting three, which is outstanding. That is a season series clinch for the Mariners. Um, that could be huge going down the stretch with the playoffs and the division, with the way things are going right now. Um, so after. I want to talk about this Mariners and Astros sweep just a little bit on the Astros side of things. Martin Maldonado, the light, I guess you'd call him the light hitting catcher for uh for the Astros. He's batting about a buck fifty, but they keep him around because they like him in the clubhouse. I think they like him defensively. I'm not sure how much they like him defensively after this year because I don't feel like he's been as good as Sharp. Might be in, might be uh, an aging thing. I don't know. But he called the team meeting after the loss and this is what he said he said this is one of the most disappointing parts of the season this is a slap in the face and a wake-up call the key will be better energy in the dugout not being satisfied after you lose everybody who comes here wants to beat us and we don't make them earn it we just feel like we're just giving it away that's really interesting um Yes, everybody does want to come in and beat them. They're the defending world champions. They've got the target on their back, right? That's the way that works. It doesn't matter if you're on the road. It doesn't matter if you're at home. Everybody wants to beat you. And they kind of took it. Everybody kind of took it to the Astros earlier this year. And we're like, oh, man, you know, like maybe they've crashed down. But then they come in in July and they have a great month. They're having a pretty good August. And granted like i said they ran into a buzzsaw of a mariners team right now but the mariners also played against like i said the royals who don't have great pitching but at the same time though you get confidence goes a long way in baseball if you feel like you're really seeing the ball well and you're hitting the ball really well it's going to carry over and this mariners team absolutely did that they took it to the astros the entire weekend they they beat them two to zero in the first game ten to three in the second and then uh, seven to six on Sunday. So you win a pitching duel, you blow them out, and then you win a close game with the bullpen because the Mariners blew a six zero lead, an early six zero lead. So, or four zero four, they blew a four zero lead, but they're, they're at four zero six two, and then that was, and then seven to six was the final. 
but the Mariners beat the Astros every way possible in that series. And yeah, it should be a wake up call for the Astros because it kind of felt for a while there that, like I said, they had figured things out. They had righted the ship. They were playing really well. And it kind of felt like they were just, the teams were just going to kind of let them waltz back into the playoffs because, oh, we're the defending champs, right? Like this is where we're supposed to be. But the AOS is, in, is incredibly competitive this year. We've seen how competitive the wild card has been all year long. The American League East dominated the wild card for the first half of the season. Some of those teams have fallen off. The Blue Jays have fallen off a little bit. The Red Sox have fallen off. The Yankees have fallen off a cliff, right? So it's gotten a little bit more open and more competitive, which means more teams, you got to play better. You're not just going to walk right into the playoffs. And I don't know. And it's it's a terrible mentality to have, but it seems like that's what Maldonado feels like everybody feels like, is that they're just going to get given a spot in the playoffs. And that's not the case. Nobody wants them in the playoffs. Nobody wants the defending champs in the playoffs because you get them in, you get them in the playoffs, they have a chance. You don't want them to have a chance in the postseason. So you're going to try to eliminate them. But let's talk about the Red Sox and Yankees a little bit. The Red Sox, like I said, swept the Yankees right off the face of the earth. Uh, the Red Sox absolutely dominated those first two games. They then they outlasted the Yankees in a nail biter in game three. Friday, the score is eight to three. Saturday it was eight to one. Garrett Cole gave up a grand slam early. And then Sunday, the game was six to five. The Red Sox scored the winning run in that game in the top of the ninth inning. Uh, there was a looked like it was a, Anthony Volpe, I think, scored a go-ahead run late in the game, but it got taken off the board after review. So that that's a killer. Kills momentum. Kills I feel like kills confidence in that dugout right now for sure. Um, but the series puts Boston three games out of the wild card behind the Mariners. They're 66 and 58. The Yankees are nine games back at 60 and 64. It's not good for the Yankees. Um, this is there's a good chance they're gonna miss the playoffs this year. All right, let's go on to let's go on and talk about our, our fantasy update. This is week 19, fantasy baseball, and then we'll get out of here. Okay. Um, so let's start at the bottom of the list. Brig, Brigger Mortis went up against Denise, the host of the North Chicago Baseball Together podcast. Denise won. Or sorry, Denise is Grace Under Fire. Brig is Brigger Mortis. Denise won this one 472 to 400. Denise's top performer was Freddie Freeman. Briggs was Ty France. Ty France is back to playing some really good baseball. Had some big clutch hits over the weekend or the last week or so, actually. Um, then our we our next matchup is Devastation Incorporated. That is Mike, our listener participant. And then we have not another fantasy team. That is Jason, one of the co-hosts of the Philly Baseball Together podcast. Mike won this one 499 to 457. His top performer was Matt Olson, as you might expect, with 74 points. And then Jason's was Nathaniel Lowe with 71 points. Our next matchup is Big League Chupacabra. That is Jewel, my Seattle Baseball Together podcast co-host with Burns Turner Overdrive. Tori, that's Jason's co-host. Uh, Jewel won this one 681 to 641, by far and away the highest scoring matchup of the week. Uh, Jewel's top perf- uh, top performer was Paul Goldschmidt with 94 points, and Tori's was Christian Walker with 96 points. And then my team, the Yonkers Batsmen now, formerly Julio, think you are. Um, I lost to John. <laughs> John is the Harrisburg Charlies. Uh, he won this. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, wow. I was really scared there for a minute. I won 437 to 351. What a pleasant surprise. I uh, totally misread that before. Good. I'm glad. So I won 437 to 351. My top performer is Pete Alonzo 
with 92 points, and Johns was Bear Ruiz with 67 points. So that puts me at 7-12 and 12 on the season. John is 1-18. Um, Jewel is 16-3. and Tori is 7-12. and 12. Mike is 15 and 4. Jason is 10 and 9. Brig is 7 and 12. And Denise is 13 and 6. So there is your weekly fantasy baseball update. But, baseball family, before I get out of here, don't forget to hop on to schnookseedery.com. Use code BTPOD to save 10% on your order. These are the best seeds ever. I am not kidding. It says so on the package. You can believe it. Again, that's schnookseedery.com. Use code BTPOD to save 10% on your order. That will also support the show without spending any money. In fact, you're saving money by supporting the show doing that. You support the show, support your mouth, and get the best seeds ever. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and, the view, rate and review the show wherever you can. Hop onto YouTube if you're not there yet and subscribe. doesn't cost you anything. doesn't really mean anything other than the fact that you get updates and you will not miss anything we do. You won't miss a big episode that we do, an episode of the big show that we do. You won't miss one of the lives. You also won't miss any of the clips because we know not everybody has 45 minutes to an hour to it. Sometimes an hour and 15 minutes to catch the show every week. So what we do is we clip them down into bite-sized pieces so that you can just get the pieces that you want on YouTube. So we do that every single week. We've been doing it with the big show. We've been trying to get to it a little bit more with uh, with the live. Sometimes it doesn't always happen because weekends are busy. But we're trying to do better about that because, like I said, we know people like those bite-sized bits. So if you subscribe, you won't miss any of those. You can catch those and cherry pick them however you would like. But baseball family, thank you so much for joining me this week for this episode of the Baseball Together podcast. Briggs should be back this week, and we'll catch you on Friday when we go live. Mm-hmm.